The Antidote meets with Josh Campbell of the legendary Dogwood. Okay, maybe that didn't turn out legendary, right. but yeah. Maybe it didn't turn out right anyway. It sounds like I'm talking about plants. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I mean, dogwood is a state flower, I think, of a couple of states here and there. But um, and there's a tree, and there's some legends around that tree. I guess that's why you could call it legendary. In the <laughs> band sense, I think there's also a couple other dogwood bands in general. We might have even taken our name from a 70s folk band. You know, it's a, it's a passing the torch kind of thing. Okay, well, let's set the tone straight. We're talking about the legendary punk band Dogwood. I can live with that. Okay, well, let's hear <laughs> the story. How did you choose the band name? Oh, um, let's see. Because when we started, we were not called Dogwood. We were called Half Off. And then we were uh, playing just here and there, a couple shows. And then we found out through, I think, some fanzines or something that there was a hardcore band on the East Coast called Half Off. I think that's how it went. So we're like, shoot, let's figure something else out. And then uh, our guitar player's mom said, check out this story about dogwood. You know, it's like kind of legend of maybe it's the tree that was the wood that built the, the cross, you know, that Jesus was killed on because the shape of the flowers is a cross shape. So everything kind of matched up and they built this uh, story around it. So we're like, that sounds pretty cool. We can do that. So we just made the switch unofficially slash officially and it went from there. Well, Dogwood has a long history, so maybe we can start by having you tell us about how the band came together. Ah, yes. Uh, the band came together in uh, 1994, and uh, we were all up in North San Diego County, California. Josh Hagquist, of a couple other bands like Beautiful Mistake and Ember, and he had started uh, playing music with our friend Jace who was the guitar, original guitar player. And they wanted to write music together, write some songs where everyone was kind of getting more into music in high school and maybe going to punk rock shows and hardcore shows. And um, So they were playing music and they just didn't have a front man, so to speak, a singer. Jace knew me from our local church youth group and knew that I was into skating and music and all kinds of other things that get associated with the scene. And um, just kind of asked me if I wanted to mess around with them, jam, do some music, and and make it famous. And then, <laughs> as it were, that's how you put it. And I said, yeah, I can throw some of my poetry over some, you know, one-minute songs. And um, just started doing it like that through our small high school scene there, of which there wasn't much of a scene really, but there was concerts here and there. We just or we made them happen: skate ramps, backyards, you know playing with other people. Actually, our church was pretty good at promoting concerts and stuff on their own. They would, they would bring in bands. Most notably, they put on big shows at the park in Escondido and The Crucified and Deliverance were one of the bigger shows during our high school years and wow. stuff. So we went to those shows and were inspired by the craziness. We're like, we got to do that. Also, at the time, I was getting more into um, snowboarding because we, were all, we all grew up skating and surfing, but snowboarding was also coming up bigger. And so the videos... The soundtrack to those sports is definitely punk rock and hardcore, and, you know, some metal, and at least back in that era. And uh, as I was getting into it, I was getting more inspired by the soundtrack to these movies, these videos I was watching. I was like, I got to do that. So that's kind of how we adjusted our sound. I was like, I want to get on these videos and, you know, be on these, these scenes with these guys and stuff like that. So um, that was partially the impetus behind starting it. Yeah, because there wasn't many other punk rock bands in our town at the time. 
how many songs from Dogwood ended up on those videos? <laughs> on the ones I was watching, not not a whole lot, but I've heard you know people say kind of when we go to snowboarding area towns, they're like, oh yeah, you know, we heard your song on the radio, or or, or I mean, it used to be on uh, G Rock, this uh, Southern California surf and skate show that had videos and skating and surfing and stuff like that, but. I don't know if it was ever super official until we got signed and we had records to put out. Maybe, I don't know, maybe five songs being on videos, but that's just a guess. Now, you have to explain to me, because I have no idea. I think of San Diego, and I don't think anything about snowboarding. How long a drive would that be? Oh, uh, not far. It's two hours to one of the localist mountains that you can uh, ride on. San Diego County has a couple of mountains that snow, but to actually go up on the, you know, on the lifts and stuff is about a two hour drive. And then if you want to take a trip, Northern California has some really good snow. I used to go all the time. I guess this does make you the last of your original lineup, Josh. Did it ever feel like the band was dying any time a band member moved on? Of course, a little piece of the, you know, a little piece of the uh, puzzle missing or a little, a little piece of the band as, as a whole dies, you know? Say, for example, right when we started, Josh Hadquist went to college. So there we are, missing a bass player. So we found Bill. Bill uh, was on Good Old Days record. And then Bill left, and then Sean Beatty joins, and he's on the Through Thick and Thin record. And then he moves on because he was pursuing his PhD. So then we get Jason, who was our bass player for a long time. You know, and That's just the bass players. You know, our <laughs> players. And... Uh, our first original drummer was not on any of our official recordings. He moved on early on, and then my cousin Russell actually was our longtime drummer for most of our recordings. You know, something key about Dogwood is that your band has class. I mean, you guys have a Latin slogan below the band logo. Why? Oh, um, I just think that Latin as, as a whole is a, a, it's kind of a, mysterious and sexy language and a lot of our words that we use nowadays are rooted from that language as it were and i guess they're in so many different languages that we that we use nowadays and people don't even realize that they're coming from well also greek but the latin words themselves and um i don't know i just always was intrigued by the way they looked and sounded and they actually kind of roll off the tongue easily if you speak you know some of those phrases I'm not ignorant to how many languages there are in the world, but I think Latin as a whole is um, pretty well recognized as one of the great historical languages and scholarly. And now's your chance to explain about that Latin phrase. Um, the current logo with Latin on it, I think I wrote, it translates to we are St. Didicus. I kind of use Latin in different things, but the, the dogwood flower is the cornus floridus. That's the Latin word for the actual flower itself. Mm-hmm. But the Latin root word of somos or, you know, we are, um, just threw it on there for funsies to see who would pick up on the, on the Latin or even the derivative of the Spanish language, which is highly spoken around here. Well, I guess I've already brought this up, but it's really hard to know where to start because Dogwood has put out a huge amount of music. I mean, really, yeah. I don't have anywhere near all of your music, even though I do have 80 tracks that's yeah. Where do the song ideas come from? A lot of it was, um, I mean, in the beginning, at least I, used to, I was writing a lot of poetry and just writing thoughts down kind of like diary journal style or, um, practicing writing and stuff like that as a release from 
things that I was going through or feeling. And then as we started turning those into songs, I realized that I could put a real message to match kind of the feel of the music that was being written, um, kind of work in symbiosis with our musicians. I was like, wow, that sounds like a pretty fun song. I'll write something more fun sounding. You know, that sounds like a pretty heavy song. I'll write something pretty heavy. I guess in the beginning, the intent wasn't that we were going to be like, say, the Christian band thing. We were just doing it because we all came from the youth group. So we're like, we want to do music. Let's go do music. And I'm going to write about these things that we're all going through in the in the church as people, not just as Christians per se, but sometimes as people who have friends who are having divorces or, you know, going through like uh, lots of crazy stuff that maybe people who don't go to church understand that people who do go to church also have those same problems. You know, so it wasn't always like praise the Lord from whom all blessings flow kind of thing. You know, we're singing about moms and dads beating each other up and drugs and rape and stuff like that too. So it's all in there. But I guess from a perspective of an understanding that it happens to every kind of human being. That is something that I wondered about because bands have different motivations for making music. Mm. Dogwood's songs sometimes have an evangelical slant. Mm-hmm. But that really wasn't the purpose of it. It wasn't to convert the masses, per se. Yeah, because a lot of the lyrics themselves are pulled straight from from Bible verses. So I'm kind of letting, in that sense, letting the lyrics and music speak for itself, you know? It's not like my Or is my it just words. because you're lazy? It's a little bit of both, a little bit of plagiarism, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but there's still the debate of actually who wrote the Bible. So who knows? We've all been plagiarizing since the 1600s, I guess. Um, but <laughs> the... Uh, words that I found powerful from the Bible I, I could add into a song and a lot of times I was if you really break down lyrics all the way from the first song to the last song that, that was recorded you can see it as a journey or a story of different conversations between Christians and non-Christians or two Christians or a Christian who's struggling with faith or mentor to an apprentice or anything like that so I wanted to um, I guess slyly and artistically convey these messages of stuff that I was thinking or going through and the way that um, I was trying to convey messages to the masses, as you were saying, like, uh, sometimes it was evangelical, like, hey, this is what we believe, and here's a song about it, stuff like that. And also, here's something that we're going through, or here's something that somebody we, kn- we know really close to uh, went through, and how can, we, how can we deal with it? How can we help with this, you know? So it was a great way to, for lack of a better term, be on a stage and get that message out, for sure. But you were doing that without being one of these uber-aggressive Christian bands, you know, the type that were like, get saved, pagan, you know? (laughs) I think that it was hard to do that in our sense because we had so many friends who were in bands who were not necessarily in the Christian scene, and we wanted to play with those bands. And we wanted to play at all the clubs around town where we grew up going to shows. And if you're like that, you're not going to be welcomed, at least the way I saw it, you know? And we got made fun of, sure like in different circles, but at the same time, we were friends with all the San Diego bands and other bands around the country that who knew us as guys from church and stuff like that. So followers of Jesus. And I think that in life in general, honestly, all around humanity, uh, I think that the Christians could do a, a little bit better job of being inclusive as far as people who don't share their same beliefs, you know? Absolutely. Well, now, I want to stretch your memory here, Josh, and take you back to the very first Dogwood album. Mm -hmm. Good Old Days has the song Label Me, and to me, that really sort of laid out the band's purpose. You care to explain about it? Yeah, I I think I wrote that after 
after having a pretty heavy conversation with a good friend in school, uh, they were not a church person and they knew that we were, or I was. So they're asking the questions and they're like, what does it feel like to be labeled as a Christian or a follower of Jesus? Or, you know, and then I was thinking, what would it be like if Jesus was like explaining this to somebody? (laughs) (laughs) What would it be like if Jesus was trying to explain Christianity versus religion to somebody or Christianity as a concept or as a way of living or as a way of being with other people to somebody. And um, aside from the stories that you hear in the Bible and stuff like that, how would it sound if Jesus was actually like, I'm just going to break it all down for you right here in this two minute song, you know? (laughs) But they're not always that brief. You do some short songs, some longer songs. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, But in the, in that, in the early records, you know, we're, we're shooting for under three minutes. How much message can we put in three minutes? That was kind of the subconscious way of doing the songs. And, you know, honestly, also, it was hard to write a lot of lyrics because I was 17. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I I wrote like 100 songs. And that first record only had maybe 20 songs or something like that. And it was still maybe half an hour. Needless to say, I mean, some of the songs had more thought put into them than others. But I was trying to put some kind of message in each lyric. Back to that first record. Dogwood has been with a couple of labels over the decades. You know, you were on Tooth & Nail and Face Down Records, but the band started on a label I never heard of, Rescue Records. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. What can you tell me about that label, and how did you sign with them? Rescue Records is um, based out of San Diego, and its affiliation is it started by the dad of the drummer of P.O.D. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and then um, before we signed, they had signed, so they had P.O.D., and then they signed No Innocent Victim, NIV, who also went to, a, that's the church we went to, was with a No Innocent Victim, and Trey from P.O.D. was also going to our church at the time. So we had a lot of musicians and bands at our church. That's what I was saying, like, our church was pretty musician-heavy, um, and and other bands, too. And also, uh, like, Jason from FaceTime Records went to our church, and... Um, and like a whole bunch of people sprouted out of this church. It was pretty awesome. But Rescue was kind of affiliated because POD would play at the church. Obviously, known as a victim did because they were going to the church. And uh, so they just started talking to us once we started doing our band. They're like, you know, we don't have a punk band on the label, you know. <laughs> so and and also there wasn't a lot of punk bands. I mean, church punk bands in San Diego that I could get records for besides, you know, maybe crash dog or some you know some of the hardcore punk bands like crucified stuff so there wasn't a lot to choose from you know there wasn't any in san diego that's for sure um so we just made the relationship happen and he said let's do a record and we said sure and then put that one out and they said let's do another one and we said sure (laughs) we're just so like so young and just ready to go you make it sound so simple it kind of was honestly like at least doing the first record it kind of was because we were just right out of high school doing the music and wanted to get their CD out. And we didn't really have a way to get a hold of Tooth & Nail at the time or anything like that. They didn't know who we were. So Noah wanted to put out the record. Okay, thank you. Let's do it. You know? But then you did do that switch with your 1999 album with Tooth & Nail, which was More Than Conquerors. Right. It included the song Never Die. The chorus on that says, Faith like a rock, the size of a seed. Eternal life is all you need. Many people don't recognize or believe that. You know, in today's society, we focus on ourselves and nothing else. 
Right. How do you change that kind of an attitude? Um, the attitude as far as looking outward instead of inward or? Exactly. Yeah. So the faith like a rock the size of a seed part, that's that's a, an allegory to, you know, Jesus saying having just a small amount of faith can kind of move mountains kind of thing. So I would put that in lyric form as to, it's kind of a more an encouragement to, to people who are in youth, our youth groups and going to a church. The never die part is also like kind of don't give up on this. It's going to be super hard. And um, we're all going to go back to our our certain ways of, of doing things that we, maybe we did before we got to church. Or if you grew up in church, it's been a struggle your whole life to, <laughs> to maintain that and to kind of keep the faith or anything like that. But I personally think that God is always faithful to, uh, to at least to me. God has been in my life for a long time, even when I wasn't like worthy of it, or at least I didn't think I was kind of thing. So I was, I'm just trying to tell everybody that same story. I'm trying to tell people that. And the, the eternal life is all I need line. That's kind of like um, that conversational piece I was talking about. That's kind of like a, uh, almost a little tongue in cheek, a little bit of sarcasm, like, well, here, it's just that easy. Just, you know, the, the non-Christian says, oh, here, you just have this faith and you go to heaven all of a sudden. But then right after that, I say, you work your will and I'm surrendering and take my life kind of thing. Like it kind of has to be like a, that faith is almost like a blind movement, you know, it's, it's a little ethereal in that sense, but I also think that we have to, uh, we have to choose to do that. When I put the pen on the paper or, or the, you know, type on the keyboard or whatever, I was never thinking like, uh, I'm just going to write a really, really fun song right now. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got something to say, you know, I get this because much of the music of Dogwood has lyrics that are pretty clear, but that's not always the case. Like you have the song, Everything Dies in Time from More Than Conquerors. Yeah. And it has the line, It hurts to scrape your pride, compensate for mistrust eyes, and where you are will change with rhyme. Brotherhood will die in time. Why would brotherhood die? I think people lose touch with each other and, you know, go separate ways. Like, I'm sure that not all my friends on Facebook or who are from my high school are people that I would just hang out with now on a regular basis. <laughs> you know, we're friends on Facebook because we went to high school together, but we're not friends on Facebook because I want to know how their kids are doing or, or how their mom is or anything like that. There are people that I'm good friends with still, but sometimes things just drift apart or, you know, there's people from my you know, my youth group that I haven't talked to since youth group or anything like that. So I think we go through phases in our life as we grow and mature. And as people grow up out of the youth group and start believing their own beliefs and going to other different churches or move around the country or the world, you know, they start growing in different ways too and, and or not growing or, you know, stagnant or anything like that. But I think people change and they let their, uh, they let their change kind of leave a trail of of ashes behind them, if you will, like just either they're trying to forget the past or they just kind of, it just happens and people just fade out of their lives, you know? And it's sad. It can be sad also like the family members or anything like that, and especially nowadays and people get divided on what they believe or what church is right. And those kind of things, like that's the kind of stuff that actually builds that division and that, that death in the relationship, you know? Well, that does make me curious then has your faith changed over the years? I think it's wavered and gone. Th I've gone through different um, journeys, but I've always been searching for that right answer. You know, I've always been trying to find that good in people or the good in the world. Um, trying to believe that the reason that all these stories are told about Jesus 
what is the answer to the or that or instead of saying I'm a Christian, those kind of things. Like I am this denomination, I'm that. I say I'm I believe in Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I try to live by that example and stuff like that. So I try to see that light in other people and live that way. Like even with my kids or my students or anything like that, I try and find that hope and find that like good light of humanity in people. I believe that we're not supposed to be robots in our faith, like not just it's this and that and don't do this, that kind of thing. I think it's everyone has their own faith and journey and we're allowed to be stretched kind of sometimes to our limits, sometimes to a breaking point. And that Jesus is big enough that um, kind of he's just always there when we, when we want to come back. And there's some people who just stay on the right path their whole life. But it's really hard. It's really hard to do that, you know? <laughs> I totally understand that, and I think we're both on the same page. Awesome. And no no offense to any of my friends who didn't stay on this journey with me, but, you know, like, I think that obviously a church would be crazy if they didn't welcome people back, you know? I guess at what point do we stop doing forgiveness or, like, allowing love to happen? Would Christ ever turn anyone away? I don't think so. You know, I mean, there's certain contexts, I guess you want to say like, oh, you know, you lock your doors at night. You just want everyone coming in. Those kinds of, it's like, I just believe the best in people. And maybe it's to a certain fault. Maybe it's a little naivety, but I might be a little too old now for naivety. Maybe it's just, I think that people are good. Obviously, if you believe that people are created in the image of this, this God that you believe in, you should believe that there's the best in people, you know? There's a Dogwood song that I adore, Conscience in a Cave. Ah, yes. That was one of the songs from your final studio release, Seismic. Right. There's a line that's repeated in the song that says, division of my own self leaves me wondering what I've become. So seriously, has that been an issue for you? Um, I didn't write this with myself in mind. I wrote it from the perspective of someone who is a Christian in the church who is dealing with drug abuse and rehabilitation. And then I think that as Christians... I don't know if we're taught this, but like you feel like there's sometimes this overwhelming guilt, like if you do something wrong, that you're immediately going to go to hell. Or, you know what I mean? Like, so this person somehow got addicted to drugs while they were a Christian, while they were going to church, started doing drugs. Now they're struggling with, am I still going to be okay? Am I still going to be, can I still be a Christian? Um, the division of my own self part is the struggle between being a drug addict and still going to church, being on the worship team and having sex with your girlfriend. You know, like we've seen it all. It doesn't have to be that harsh, but that song in particular is about the drug addiction. So often Christians fail to recognize that, yes, Christians do have faults. Yeah. We have yeah. issues. Even Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not addicted to drugs, but I have my own faults for sure. I mean, I get mad at people on the road when I'm driving. So what? Or I stay up too late and I don't get enough sleep and it makes me tired and grouchy in the morning. I'm not perfect. I have my faults and I recognize them. But I, I do know that I can find comfort in seeing the good in my family and being loved and giving love. You know, really, I guess a lot of listeners may recognize just because of the music that much of what Dogwood was creating was through the 90s and the early 2000s. Not much was happening with Dogwood after your 2004 Greatest Hits release. So what was this like? Life was getting in the way of the music? Um, yeah, somewhat like um, everyone kind of moved, pursued careers other than the band. After Seismic, we did a best of with Tooth Nail with a couple new songs on it, and then just released a couple singles here and there after that on compilations. 
well, one, we weren't all living in, around San Diego anymore after that record. And then uh, we toured it with uh, a touring band. So, you know, it was different. Russell had gone on to pursue a career. Jason had gone on to pursue a career. It's awesome. They're still doing those careers that they pursued. So it worked out for them. Yeah, life, careers, families, those kind of other obligations. Growing up, if you will. Um, we weren't one of the bands that could just uh, keep going with the momentum. And honestly, I think at the time for us, we weren't we weren't ever one of the bands that were going like, we're all in and we're going to do this forever and we're going to be the biggest <laughs> band in the world because we were just kind of like, yeah, we were just kind of like, just like when we were 17. Someone wants to do a record for us? Cool, let's do it. I got this music, let's put it on a CD. Those kind of things. And um, it was like, okay, our contract with Tooth & Nails is about to come up. What do you guys want to do? It's like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> like, yeah, because like, the contract was ending. You know, Sean had gone on to play with Yellow Card and, you know, the other guys were doing their thing. So we just kind of floated around. We never really like broke up or farewelled, but it was kind of like, huh, I guess I could just pass the torch to some other San Diego bands and um, call it a day. It, w- it allowed me to pursue my other careers and stuff like that. But, you know, they'll get the itch. Still going to record some stuff probably here and there and they help out other bands recording, too. It's fun. Something cool did happen, though, with Dogwood in 2017. The band played shows with Five Iron Frenzy and MXPX. I mean, really, that's that's huge. Yeah, it was cool. I got the call from Mike, and he's like, hey, we're playing in San Diego, man. You want to play with us? And it just worked out, the timing. with you know, It was right after Christmas, so more of us were around and had more time and stuff like that to practice. So it just worked out, and we did it, and it was fun. It was really cool, you know? I wish, honestly, we could have played it a little bit longer at those shows, because like you said, we got a lot of songs to do. (laughs) Well, what's the status of Dogwood in 2020? Like, is the band gone forever? I think as Dogwood, yeah. I I think we put that to rest, and now I just, I'll do stuff under a different name, or uh, because I'm doing so many songs with different musicians and artists now, um, because I don't have the collective Dogwood members around, so I'm just like, eh, let that have our time. So now we'll do some St. Didicus or I'll, I'll sing on some other records or something like that. So yeah, it's a, it's good. I'd like to hear about that side project, St. Didicus. You released a single called titles. Yeah. It's more of like a fun thing. Like if it happens, it happens. If we have you know, the time that, that song was just Jason, our longtime bass player. And I, we had some music and lyrics and, he wanted to do a song with some pretty heavy solos, guitar solos in it, so we did it. And then uh, the release that went out, that was like the rough demo of it. And um, maybe we'll do an official go of it with a couple more songs. But St. Didicus is not, I guess, super official, but it's more like if I do music with you know, one of the members of Dogwood at a time or more, we'll just put, maybe I'll put it under that name. St. Didicus, it's the patron saint of San Diego, you know, SD. And I just thought it was a fun title name to switch from from dogwood to saint didicus because it's said that when he's singing his uh, canticle when he's on his deathbed he's clutching a, a dogwood cross mm, got it so i i thought i just i was like oh, i'll just pull from that you know here i go pulling from other stories again <laughs> <laughs> it sort of sounds like you got swept into this punk scene and now it sounds like you're flowing back out are you okay with that i still go to as many shows as possible I would go to a concert probably once a week to see some friends' bands. But I'm okay with not being super involved with it anymore. 
um, I do love still raging in the pit and, um, you know, I take, take my sons to the concerts and stuff like that. Sometimes, you know, I was listening to music today and writing lyrics today. So I'm not, um, I'm not trying to start a new band or perform live, you know, or go on tour or anything like that, but I don't think I'm ever going to stop because I think when you start doing something at 17 or 18, it's kind of, it's going to be part of you for your whole life, whether it's sports or music or a relationship or snowboarding. Or snowboarding. We just took a family trip snowboarding, and my son's on a snowboarding trip right now. So <laughs> it's in the blood. <laughs> well, Josh, thanks for coming for this talk about Dogwood. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was a fun time. It obviously a huge part of my life, huge part of my own story, and uh, hopefully it will um, just keep going and never die.